Now, while they are coming and joining us and ready to testify, just to remind you, if you've been in church for only a couple of months or you consider yourself a new person, you're just trying to find your feet in KT, maybe you've not joined a cell group or got involved in the visioners yet, and you're thinking, how can I get connected there? We have a welcome party that's designed for you to meet the leaders of KT, find out a bit about what we do, what our ethos is, what our passion is, and how you can get connected here. And our welcome party is going to be on Saturday the 3rd, this coming Saturday at 7 p.m. in the lower hall. So come and join us for that. It's always an awesome time. Also, we have a passion for business uh, as well. And on August the 6th and August the 10th, there will be our next school of business here in KT at 6.30 on August the 6th. And uh, presentations with confidence with Baba Awapetsu, if, that's, uh, if I pronounce that right. But anyway, it's going to be an awesome time. And then again on August the 10th as well. So if you're involved in business, we usually get everybody who's got a passion for business on those times. So come out and join us as well. Wow, all these people who were out there yesterday and tonight preaching the gospel. So we've got Rachel who's going to share. Where's she at? Here we go. And Brett as well. We want to hear about what happened in Wembley as well. And then Daniel, you've got someone who's going to share tonight as well. So Rachel, if you want to come forward first, let's give Rachel a hand. Tell us what happened tonight. Were you out yesterday as well yeah. in Hounslow? You can tell us a bit about what happened in Hounslow as well as what happened tonight on the streets. Yeah. Well, Hounslow was awesome. Um, we had one of the worship band, well, a worship band with us. And we had Pam, who was leading worship tonight. It was her first mission and uh, out there on the street as well as some other crazy soloists that I met for the first time. And it was awesome because we worked with other churches in the Hounslow area. So we worked with one of the um, Polish fellowships. So they were able to reach out to some of the Polish people that would have had language difficulties. And they actually felt really encouraged by the KT team because they weren't used to street evangelism themselves. Yeah. So we were inspiring other churches in the act of evangelism. So is there any stories of people getting saved that you can remember? Um, I can't remember a particular story of somebody getting saved because I didn't actually lead anybody during um, the Hounslow outreach. But um, one thing that was amazing to me is the way that the street evangelists and the worship band were working in unison because I stopped one... Because before, in the pre-prayer, um, one of the things we prayed is that people would be arrested by the Holy Spirit as they were walking down the high street. And so there was a man and I, and I, and I stopped him and I gave him one of the um, flyers for the Mustard Seed Church. And he said, oh, I'm not interested in organized religion. And I said, well, I'm not talking about organized religion anyway. So, you know, that, that's okay. And so I said, but you're going to go somewhere. You're going to have an eternity, and you're going to go somewhere. And then at that same time, um, the worship leader, Pam, she started singing out the gospel, and she started singing, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to heaven, or are you going to go to hell? And the man was just stopped. And he took um, the, the flyer for the church, and he stood there, and he just listened. And it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Wow, that's awesome. That sounds like some of the worship that we should have at KT. Are you going to go to heaven? Are you going to go to hell? You can sing those words in the worship on a 7 o'clock service as well. So tell us what happened in Shepherd's Bush tonight. I know there's six people committed their lives to Christ, and you had some people coming as well. So tell us about that. There was an amazing outpouring. It's like... God's just opened up something in the evangelism, and we had six salvations and two rededications tonight. And yeah, it was just awesome. Um, it was all, 
uh, they were all young people as well. There was, um, and also a, a young Hindu woman, she was 19, and she gave her life to the Lord. Yeah. A Hindu lady. Just gave her, 19, gave her life to the Lord. Wow. That's awesome. Amazing. Hindus turning to God. Now, Brett, you come up here. You know, I know you're a little out of your comfort zone. People think that Brett is, you know, he's a super evangelist. He's here every week. He's leading his team. Brett is up and down. Sometimes he's up and sometimes he's down. But yesterday he was a bit out of his comfort zone in Wembley leading his first mission. And so just tell us how it was, how things came together and what happened in Wembley. Yeah, it was good. It was a good time out there. Um, the team come together. We had people from a Romanian church. We had people from a Tamil church. We had people from the KT Satellite Church. And we had people from KT Church. So, you know, it's just been more seeing like the believers come together. Uh, we gave out over a hundred, over a thousand bottles of water. So we were giving, uh, just constantly giving. What really touched me is that as soon as we were about to run out, one of the team members would like fly off to the shop and bring another big cart back. Uh, we prayed for a man with cancer. We prayed for some people with ear problems. One guy, definitely we know his ear popped open. Um, it was partially, he had it blocked up and that opened up. But so you prayed for a guy who had a blocked ear and the power of God hit him and his ear just popped open? Yeah, like he, was, he said his sound was muffled so we couldn't hear. But then like I was, after I prayed for him, it's like he could see like a cup being poured out of his head over his ear like of, of the anointing and then he was just like is, that like is that normal for you to see miracles on the street yeah well it's normal to see the anointing being poured on people so when when you see that it's just like it's being poured on you right now hallelujah in jesus name amen more lord hallelujah amen so we, we had 23 decisions on the on the cross uh, for the cross but we were the theme was the living waters i was preaching on the waters that spring up into eternal life that spring up into joy. And there was one time when I couldn't even stand. I was like, Franz gave his testimony. I started crying. And then I started laughing. And Franz was like, just tell me, was it anointed? Was it anointed? I couldn't even speak. It's like the, there was a cloud of Shekinah on us. And, um, and it was just like that. Like we had this system, that power system, that just you could hear us down the other end of the street. So we were just preaching. And then we were giving testimonies. And Maddie Kane come out and just sealed it, really. Uh, with the end of the day, he sung. Uh, a song, and then he just preached and gave testimonies, and people like were stopping in their car. Who is that, Matt? Matt He's singing and preaching. The guy who's on the this BV, yeah. singing and preaching. Yeah, yeah. We've got singers preaching the gospel. Uh, that is, uh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so that was awesome. Like he sang his song, and it was just like there was more in us. So he he just gave it gave his gave it his all, and yeah, we got got um, yeah, so it was quite good. It was. Uh, it's quite good. How many people actually responded to Christ during the time that you were there in Wembley? Well, I counted 23 white forms, um, and then there was like three others that, like, because I was saying, like, you know, just based on what you told us to say about being the church, and here we are, we, we advertise where we meet at Sudbury. And then I just said, like, if there's any other questions that you want to know about what the Bible actually says about Jesus and not just, you know, he say or, or what they say, then, you know, come and see us. So we had quite a few people that were like, well, Sudbury Church are following up about that. Wow. That's awesome. So 23 people committing their lives to Christ. There's going to be another mission as well at the end of September. We're still working out the dates, but that's awesome. Now, Daniel was in uh, Wimbledon with uh, some of your creative uh, team as well, and you've got some testimonies as well. Uh, so, Sophie, was your first time out on mission with the church? Uh, no, it wasn't the first time, but we went with the whole uh, KTPAS team, which included many of our Saturday school students. 
And we joined a team in Wimbledon, so we were with a group of over 30 people. We had KT Pass partnering with the evangelism department. Wow, that was awesome. Yeah, so we prepared many sketches and songs, dances, monologues, and we really wanted to draw the attention of the crowd so they would stand still and look at us so that our other team members could go up to them and, and, and speak to them about the gospel. And um, more than 10 people got saved that day, so it was really amazing. Yes, that's awesome. Amazing. You led, you led someone to Christ. Yeah, well, I, I thought that morning, like, I'm just going to, to perform and, and have fun and really show people uh, God through the arts. But um, at one point, I saw this girl sitting on the bench, and she was wearing this cross, a big cross. And I thought, well, is she wearing this as a fashion statement, or is this really because she loves Jesus? So me and my friend went up to her and, and asked her, like, how, how is she doing? And she really opened up about her past as being a drug addict and... Um, after a while, we asked her like, if she wanted to receive Christ in her life, and she said yes, so we prayed with her, and she was so happy. She hugged everybody because she was so happy. She didn't feel alone anymore like before. So that was wow, that, that sounds amazing. That's a divine appointment. You just looked at the cross, and you thought, that's an opportunity right there. And through that initiative, she gave her life to Christ. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Daniel. Please take your seats. Amen. Well, it's wonderful singing about taking it to the streets and hearing people earlier going in literally into the streets with the gospel and having a great time and really making a difference to our world. And, uh, you know, God hasn't given up on our unsaved loved ones. God is in the saving business. And uh, don't let the devil discover discourage you. And I know he discourages you because he discourages me too about people getting saved and everything. God is in the saving business. That's his business. And uh, get a promise from God. Go to God and get a promise for the people that you want. Get a promise for souls. Get a promise from the Spirit, and God will put you through. He said, go into the world and make disciples, and he's got disciples out there to make. All of us, God has got people out there that aren't yet saved that God wants to use us through. And don't let evangelism or witnessing be a heavy thing. Just love people and share the gospel where you can. Uh, it really is. We overcomplicate things. Amen. Well, I'm going to be speaking to you in the next couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, on something that's been on my heart while I've been away for the last two weeks uh, on holiday, fasting and praying in Florida. Well, okay, not, not, not fasting. I think I meant sunbathing and praying in Florida <laughs> and um, meeting friendly people like Mickey and Minnie Mouse and all these wonderful characters. I know, I know. But I wanted to speak to you really on the topic of a people of promise. I think sometimes when you've been preaching regularly for a number of years, you can get something that maybe you would term your signature message or your signature theme. Uh, you know that different preachers are often known for a subject that they keep returning to again and again and again. And also sometimes as a preacher, you've got to be careful because you can get a little bit of a sort of bee in your bonnet or a little bugbear, a little thing that if you wanted to, you'd preach on it all the time every week because it's like your thing or God has really put it on your heart. And you have to be careful because it's important to share the whole counsel of the Word of God. But also God will give 
different ministers and preachers of his word special focuses. And I think one of the things that my heart, certainly my life is focused on, is, uh, is on this understanding of living by the promise and the spirit of God. Because I do believe it is the key to Christian living. And I do believe that the majority of Christians are not living by the promise and the spirit. What they're doing is they're doing the best they know how. Uh, they're trying to live a good Christian moral life. And when they have needs, they're praying to God and they know God's basic general direction. But they're not living by the promise and the spirit like Abraham did or like Isaac did or Jacob was meant to. And they don't have that specific relationship with God's word and God's spirit that actually causes your life to walk step by step. Romans chapter 4 says that we walk in the footsteps of our father Abraham. Well, what are his footsteps and where did he travel with his footsteps? Well, every step he took was in the direction of the promise to leave the land of his fathers and go to the land that God was going to show him. He spent his life walking in the shadow of God's promise over his life. And when he had mistakes, it was because he went away from the promise. What was he doing in Egypt? Most of his problems happened in Egypt. He should have stayed in Canaan. When he went to Canaan, which was the promised land, everybody was leaving Canaan as he entered Canaan because there was a famine. So what did he do? He, he didn't follow the promise where the blessing would be. He turned around and followed where the world was going and then had all those problems with Egypt when he had to pretend that his wife was his sister and all, all these times. In fact, it was in Egypt where they got a servant girl called Hagar who would eventually give them Ishmael. So this is an important point to follow the promise of God in our lives because without that, we'll just drift or we'll try to live some sort of basic Christian moral life, but we'll have no intimate relationship with God's promise and, of course, God's spirit. Because without God's promise, I mean, sorry, the promise without God's spirit is, is absolutely meaningless. And so over the next few weeks, I want to talk a little bit and emphasize how you personally can begin to live according to the promise and the Spirit. And I'll explain what I mean by the promise and the Spirit. Not by laws and regulations. I recently wrote a book called No More Law. No More Law. We don't need the law anymore in any way or any shape or form. Christians have nothing to do with the Mosaic law. You're not under law, but you're under grace. And most Christians, when you say that to them, they'll say, well, how do we live then? If we don't have these laws and regulations and moral codes, how do we live? You live by the promise of God and the Spirit of God, and that gives you the direction that you walk in. Today, I want to, in, in, in an introductory, really, to this, I want to focus on two brothers, one who was of the Spirit and the promise, and one that was not. They are the sons of Abraham, Ishmael and Isaac. Now, I'm not saying that if you're a Christian here today, you're an Ishmael, but this is the problem. You can be an Isaac, and as you'll see, all those that are born again, all those that, have, that are Christians, you are Isaac. But Isaacs can live like Ishmaels. Now, Jacob, he, he was of the promise of the Spirit, 
But he, for many years in his life, Jacob, although he was an heir of the promise by the Spirit, Jacob lived like his brother Esau, who was more of an Ishmael. In fact, in order to get his inheritance, do you remember what, I, what uh, Jacob did? He put on hair on his hands, and he put a heavy goat skin, and he made himself smell like his brother Esau, who, did not, who was not of the promise of the Spirit. And he tried to get his blessing by putting on the hands of Esau and trying it to be Esau. And sometimes Christians can do that. Instead of being of the promise of the Spirit, and it was only when Jacob wrestled with God and finally submitted in that wrestling match that he began to live by the promise and the Spirit. Sometimes Christians who are meant to be Isaacs, they're living and using the tools of Ishmael. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so you need to make sure today that number one, you're Isaac. In other words, you are saved. But number two, that you're an Isaac that lives according to the pattern of Isaac, according to the pattern of Abraham, that you're not operating life like an Ishmael or like an Esau that gave up his inheritance for everything that the world can give. So let me tell you what I'm saying tonight is we're looking at the promise and the spirit, but today I want to you to look at your character. Uh, am I an Isaac? Am I an Isaac or an Ishmael? Or am I an Isaac that operates more like an Ishmael? Because if you are an Isaac operating like an Ishmael, there's no way you're living by the promise or according to the Spirit. Now, my key text here would be Galatians chapter 4, verse 22. Please turn to it. Galatians 4, 22. <clears throat> Where Paul is saying to the Galatians, stop being legalists. You, you were born in the Spirit. You began in the Spirit. You're children of the promise. Walk in the Spirit and you won't do the, the, the works of the flesh. And so in this he's saying, look, I want to make sure you understand that you are Isaac of the promise, of the Spirit. And that is totally different to an Ishmael that is of the flesh, of works, of self. Galatians 4.22. Four, uh, well, let, let me start 21. Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. But he who was of the slave woman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. There's that word, promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, which one from the Mount Sinai, which is, brings you into bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem which is above is free, which is the mother, mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice those that are barren and bear not. Break forth and cry, you that travailest not. For the desolate have more children than she which has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so as it is now. So in this passage, you see a comparison, a comparison of two brothers with the same father and different mothers, a comparison between Ishmael, who was born of the 
flesh, who was born of a slave woman. And then you have a picture of Isaac, who was born after the promise. There's that word, according to the Spirit. They are compared. So we have two sons and two seeds here. And I want you to think a little bit about the character of Ishmael and the character of Isaac. Because one sums up what it is to live away from the promise and away from the Spirit of God. And the other sums up what it is to walk in the promise by the power of the Spirit. The first thing to say is their similarities. Isaac and Ishmael had similarities. I mean, number one, they had the same father. We see that in the scripture. They had the same father. They lived in the same environment. They shared the fam- same family surroundings, the same culture. They, they were brought up for a long while. They were brought up together. And so at first sight, you had these two brothers, and they didn't see much difference to one another at all. The same camp, the same father, the same society, uh, the, the same place in the world. But there was deep distinctions between Ishmael and Isaac. So much so that Paul in Galatians is speaking to Christians today saying, you've got to know what the difference between Isaac and Ishmael is. Because some of you are acting like Ishmael when you should be operating like Isaac. Some of you don't even know the difference. So it's important that you know what it is. Because we read here, it says... In verse 28, we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of what? The promise. So in other words, we are Isaac today. Everybody say, I am Isaac. Yes, you are. You are Isaac. You're not Ishmael. And if you are Isaac, sons or children of the promise, what does that mean, children of the promise? It's not just about getting saved by the promise of faith in Christ. This is about living and walking by faith. And the first difference that we notice between Isaac and Ishmael is that their origins, their birth was radically different one from another. We see in verse 23 of Galatians 4 that it says, He was of the, the slave woman, was born after the flesh but he of the free woman by the promise. You see, their origins were totally different. One was born of a promise. The other was born of flesh. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you know the story, and if you don't know the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael, you really should do some reading from Genesis 15 onwards to fill in the gaps, because there's so much there uh, to learn from. But... To put it in a, in a shorter form, Ishmael was born by human means and human limitations alone. If you remember, God came to Abraham and Sarah uh, was barren and unable to give birth. And God gave Abraham a promise that his slave would not be his heir, but that God would give him a miracle child. It was a promise that his seed would be Isaac and God would perform a supernatural by the power of the Spirit. 
Isaac would come forth. It was impossible in the flesh for this to take place. It was impossible humanly for this to take place. But it was the promise. And the moment that Abraham believed the promise that God gave him, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. In other words, God says, now that you're accepting that our relationship, Abraham, is by promise, now we, 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 we've got a relationship now. You notice that? So the moment that God said, you're, you will have a son, his name will be Isaac, and gave him a promise, the moment that Abraham believed the promise, they had a relationship. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. In other words, God says, okay, we're on the same side now. Your sins are forgiven you. You're on my side now. And so Abraham's relationship with God, his intimacy, his knowledge, his friendship, his growth, his maturity with God was all through promise. It wasn't through Mosaic laws. There was no law. There was, Moses hadn't come into existence. Abraham had no laws, no moral obligations. The only thing Abraham had was the promise of God to him. That all their relationship. All their discussion, all their communication, Abraham's highs and his lows, his successes and his failures, his maturing, all of that took place through his relationship with the promise. It was his promise. When he was following the promise that God had gave to him, everything was going in the right direction. When he deviated, when he doubted God's promise, when he tried to make life work apart from the promise, that's where all the trouble started. And Ishmael was, was the big problem in believing God's promise. Because what happened, again, you can read it yourself. But basically this slave girl they picked up in Egypt where they shouldn't have been and brought back the Egyptian Hagar. Sarah had this bright idea. Well, it wasn't a very bright idea, but she had this idea that they could make God's plan for their lives come to pass through taking an Egyptian slave girl and Abraham doing something that would naturally produce a child and then calling it God. His name was Ishmael. And that's exactly what happened. Ishmael, there was nothing of God on Ishmael. God was not involved in the production of Ishmael. On the contrary, it was against the promise. You see, God is going to, I will be speaking about what these promises are for you later, but God is going to give us the promise and the promises. And when God gives you promises, he won't work any other way with you. He won't work through human means, fleshly means, carnal means. He won't, he won't even work by your own intellect. God will only relate to you by the promise through the Spirit. It's the only way that he will work. And everything else is sin. And so this promise is not just a few you know, pocket promises for this and promises for that. It's by the promise that everything that you're meant to get, you get. And everything you're meant to become, you become. Christians are not maturing because they're trying to live Christian moral lives without any promise. Seeing as if we have precious promises, we um, are sanctified, Thessalonians says. So, two boys, same father, but two totally different origins. Do you know, Jesus said, you must be born again. What did he mean? 
I mean, he was speaking to Nathaniel, a great theologian. And he said, you must be born again. To see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And Nathaniel said, how can I climb back in my mother's womb and be born again? It's impossible, naturally speaking. And Jesus said, that's your problem. You're thinking naturally about your religious life, Nathaniel. You might be a... Nathaniel or Nicodemus? Thank you. Uh, Nicodemus. The problem with you, Nicodemus, is that you're thinking too much about natural life. Flesh gives birth to flesh, Jesus said. But spirit gives birth to spirit. That is why I say you must be born again. See, it's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to write Roman Catholic on your affiliation or Protestant or Pentecostal. All of that is meaningless. Even trying to obey Christian ethics and morals in itself is meaningless. You must be born again. And the only way you can be born again, or the phrase also can be translated born from above, is to believe the promise. What is the promise? That God sent his son into the world, that whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you believe that promise, then you will be born again spiritually. And you will become from from an Ishmael into an Isaac relationship with God. You see, it's the promise that lies at the bottom of the distinction and the power that accomplishes the promise of the Holy Spirit. In other words, what is the real distinction between Ishmael and Isaac? What really at the bottom it, what is the difference between these two brothers? It's the promise. The promise is the difference between Isaac and Ishmael. The promise is the difference between how they live and their destiny. And we, as Paul says, as Isaac was, we are children of the promise. We are children of the promise, we are people of the promise. As I want to show you, the promise brings the power for our lives. The promise is where the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit doesn't doesn't work on anything, you know. The Holy Spirit is drawn to the promises of God by faith. So, oh, Holy Spirit, bless me. He's looking for the promise. Holy Spirit, do this. Holy Spirit, do that. He's looking for the promise because the Holy Spirit does not operate apart from God's promise or God's word. He was hovering, right at the beginning, he was hovering over the earth, ready to do creation. But he didn't just do creation, he waited for the word. And where the word is, where the rhema word is, where the spoken word is, that's where the Holy Spirit works. So it's not enough just to, oh, Holy Spirit, do this, Holy Spirit, do that. What we have to say is, here's the promise, Lord, and present it to the Holy Spirit and partner with the Holy Spirit. He is the one that brings the promises to come to pass. So the Holy Spirit is not some sort of general power doing general things or even things that we would like him to do. He is a promise operating Holy Spirit. The promise is what the Holy Spirit will accomplish in our lives. The relationship with God comes through our relationship with the promises of God. You want to grow in the faith? How are you living by the promise with the Spirit? You want to see results in your life? Where are the promises of God? How are you relating to God through the promises? The promise of God is our life. 
The promise of God is our direction. The promise of God is our strength and our protection. The promise of God is also our testing. Because the promise of God in your life will be tested. How many of you know that faith is always tested? How can your life be tested by God, in other words, so that you grow if you've got no promise? You've got no promise, you're just going generally in some Christian direction, hoping it will all go, out, go well. And if you do go well, you say praise God, but you, didn't, you haven't been able to bless the promise that did it. Because you just generally... Nobody that God ever called in the Old or New Testament was told to generally live like a Jew. To generally live like a Christian. Nowhere. Every man or woman that God used in the Bible had a specific promise and purpose delivered to them. An experience that comes with or after the promise. And then that promise define their whole life in every aspect of their life, their relationships, their finances, their homemaking, everything. You look at the Hebrews Hall of Fame, Noah. Noah's whole life was defined by a promise. I'm going to send the rain and I want you to build a boat. His whole life, everything is maturing, is growing with God, is wisdom. And you can go through every single person called by God. And their relationship with God was one of purpose, promise, destiny, and could only be worked out by the Holy Spirit. You see, Ishmael's source was natural, which meant that all that Ishmael could ever accomplish would never amount more than what a natural human power could do. But Isaac's source was the promise with the Spirit. It was the promise in the Spirit that birthed him. You see, where, where, where nature's strength works and is sufficient, there's no room for the promise. Let me explain that. Where you don't need a promise from God or the working of the Spirit, where you have everything that you already need, your intellectual capabilities, your natural strength and health, or your natural ability, where you have these things, there's no room for God to operate. And he won't operate. Where there is self-sufficiency, and you can cover all of this with religion, by the way. You can cover all this with prayer. But where there is no promise, and where there is no needing of a supernatural thing that only God can do, God will not work. This is the problem. We've got Christians that have never lived by the promise. We have Christians in the Western world, some of them, that have everything that they need naturally. They even have the natural resources to build a church. They have the natural internet, intellect. They have the natural uh, preaching skills, the natural leadership skills. They're basically a Richard Branson in a preaching suit. And they could do great things. But God has nothing to do with it. And therefore, whatever they create or do, God's not on. God's not interested. And they are not growing or developing in, in their lives. Because... What's born of the promise and the Spirit must remain in the promise and the Spirit. You see, Ishmael comes from man, but Isaac comes from God. Now, Ishmael, he was a princely man. I mean, he was a, he was a great man as men come. And uh, his father, Abraham, loved him. In fact, Abraham pleaded with God, Oh God, please let it be Ishmael. I mean, he was impressed by Ishmael. Ishmael was a great man. 
Ishmael was one of the greatest men that ever lived. In fact, God said, Ishmael, he will produce a mighty, mighty nation. A nation that will struggle and a nation that will fight. But all of Ishmael's destiny, all of the things that he would accomplish, his great battles, his establishment of, of his own tribe and then nation, all of that was done without the Holy Spirit. All of that was done without God's promises. All of it was done by human capacity. And if you look at the character of an Ishmael, as you read those chapters, he formed camps out in the wilderness. He, he, he was a violent man, a great warrior with great natural strength. He went to Egypt to marry an Egyptian. He was uh, uh, a son of a slave, and this slavish, fighting, contending spirit never left him. But if you look at the character of Isaac, it was totally different. Isaac was a spiritual man. Isaac, I mean, you look at the character of Isaac. There's Ishmael going out, a bit like Esau, who was of the same spirit. Ishmael and Esau going out hunting and fighting, loving the things of this world. Ishmael making his name, using his strength, plowing through without the use of God's spirit, without the use of God's promise. There he is, a violent man, accomplishing things through the flesh, born of the flesh. Yet Isaac was totally different. When you read about Isaac, you read about somebody who surrendered himself totally to God as a sacrifice. Do you remember that? When Abraham, Abraham would have never have got Ishmael up on that mountain. Where are we going, Father? Ishmael. I'm going to take you up onto the mountain and sacrifice. Ishmael would have been on his camel down the M1 or whatever. No way. And if Abraham had tried any funny business like tying him up, Ishmael would have socked him one. It's just not Ishmael's way. Yet Isaac and tradition and Jewish tradition and scholars tell us that Isaac was a fully grown man at this time. So the picture of a little Isaac about this thing being picked up by Abraham, having no chance or say in the matter and being sacrificed is not true. On the contrary, Isaac would have been stronger than Abraham at that time. Meaning what? That he was a willing sacrifice. Paul says that as Isaac was a child of the promise, so we are a children of the promise. So what a distinct difference in characteristics. Here's somebody that is willing to surrender himself as a sacrifice to God. What a beautiful start to the Christian life to say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I understand that I need to surrender to your will, not you surrender to my will. Very often in fleshly Christianity, we are attempting to force God's hand on our behalf. I want this, I want that, do that, do the other for me, God. And we're trying to twist God's arm. How many of you know you can't twist God's arm? But he was like, Lord, Father, I put my hands in your spirit. I'm willing to sacrifice for you. Why? Because he was of the spirit. He was a picture of the coming Christ. And that was great faith, a child of the promise, ready to yield on Mount Moriah, to love God more than his own life. Now, where did he get this from? We, we know that, I, uh, that Isaac meditated in the field 
<clears throat> every evening. In fact, when he first found his wife, he was in the field meditating. He's there, and the, the, the slave that's been sent to find him, a wife from his own people, is bringing Rachel back. And Rachel's there. And, what, and where does Rachel find? What a wonderful thing. If you're looking for a husband, you know what I'm saying? In that kind of world. And Rachel, and Rachel first sees her husband. And what's he doing? He's there with his hands in the, in the air. And he's meditating on the promise of God. And he is working the works of God in the spirit. He's at prayer. He's in worship. While Ishmael is out fighting and forcing and using his human strength and subduing people and asserting himself and conquering, Isaac is in the field meditating on the promise of God. I mean, what's he meditating on? This is not some Buddhist meditation where he's trying to empty his mind. He is meditating on the promises of God to his father because <clears throat> he knows that's where the power is. He, is. he knows that if he gets his mind off the promise, he's going to go the same way as his brother. He's there and he's saying the promise of God. And, and he's knowing that while Ishmael is forcing a nation, he is going to have a nation that does not come by force but by faith. That Isaac's generation will not be formed so quickly, but one day from every tribe and every nation will come his descendants, the descendants of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the seed. He's looking to his seed. And who is his seed going to be? Seed, singular, not plural. He's seeing Christ. And he's seeing that in his one offspring... Hundreds of years later will come millions and millions of born-again people just like him. They will be born, not supernaturally in the womb, but supernaturally, spiritually speaking. You see what I'm saying? He was meditating. We know that Isaac was strong in the spirit. He was a man of peace. Do you know that? You see... You know, when you look further on in the story of Isaac, you see that when Abraham died, he had problems with the wells. Do you remember that story? He would take his people and go to a well. Now, the well, as you know, in those days, that well was life. If you didn't have a well, you didn't have a flock. That well was everything that you needed. It was more precious than gold is a well in those areas. Every time you would take the trouble to find wells, and these wells are hard to dig up, hard to find. Every time you found a well, somebody would contend with him. Yeah? Now, if it was Ishmael, what would have Ishmael have done? He'd have immediately raised his sword and asserted and subjected those that dare take the well away, the well of his father. But what did Isaac do? He was meditating on the promise, and he was saying, God is my source, not even this well. And I don't have to assert myself fleshly in order to find a well. Can you see? He'd learned the lesson of his father. Instead of having, a, having an Ishmael moment. How many of you have ever had an Ishmael moment? You've all had been there too. Instead of having an Ishmael moment, like Abraham and Sarah had all those years ago, and say, no, this is my well. Instead of having an Ishmael moment and saying, I've got to do human possible. He, 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 instead of that, he threw his hands up and said, Lord, you're my source. 
I'm going to follow the promise. You said you'd prosper me. You said that you'd give me a generation. Lord, show me where the next well is. And the patience. One thing I'm learning is that apart from love, for me, one of the most important fruits of the Spirit is patience. The more I think about it, the more I realize that patience is just so incredibly important. And when I'm speaking about patience, I'm not just talking about counting to ten before losing your temper. Although it's a good place to start. But I'm talking about the word patience in the New Testament that's used in the fruits of the Spirit. The word patience means literally long-tempered. Long, in other words, the patience, 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 just trusting God for another well, trusting God for another well. Because with the promise, patience is needed. Look at Abraham, he lost patience, didn't he? Sarah lost patience with God and his promise. And you say, well, why didn't God do it earlier? Because the promise is not just about the fulfillment of the promise. I've already said, the promise is about forming your character and forging your relationship with God. It's only through the promise that you can grow and mature. Oh, well, what about Christian ethics? I'm not interested in Christian ethics and Christian morality per se. Those things will come as you get to know God. Because he or she that is a pursuer of the promise will not be a pursuer of that which is perverse. And what kept Isaac's eye on God and Isaac straight with God and Isaac holy with God was the promise. He kept his eyes on the promise and how the promise worked. And he had patience. And that patience forged in him that, friend, that friendship with God. Oh, hallelujah. And then you know that he, another thing in the life of Isaac, when that famine came again, he did not do the Ishmael act of his father. He did not go into Egypt when there was a famine in the land. What did he do? He sowed. He sowed in famine while everybody else was tearing off to Egypt, looking to see what the world would provide. Turning to the world for provision, like even his father did. Who did he turn to? The promise and the spirit. And he sowed in faith, and reaped a hundredfold. Incredible. And he was sober, and he was wise. You know, in those days, men of influence, they could have, have, have as many women as they wanted. I mean, Abraham not only had Sarah and Hagar, if you read, Abraham took other concubines, do you know that? Ishmael had many wives, and many of the patriarchs had wives, David had wives, uh, Solomon had a whole bunch of wives. He didn't have wisdom in that area, did he? It's amazing how sex can blind the wisdom of a man. But you know what? Isaac had one woman, Rachel. And, and isn't that amazing? That he could be fulfilled with one woman and give himself to one woman? He, he, was, he was living in Genesis, wasn't he? Jesus said, you know, it was not so in the beginning. It was one man. And one woman. What does that show you? It shows you his character. That he, 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 he was, by the promise, he was sanctified. And he had a sound mind. And he was not like Ishmael. 
or Esau. There's a story of Esau that echoes the story of Ishmael, where Esau was so fleshly that he sold his birthright for some food, some lentils. But then you've got Jacob. I don't want to go too much into Jacob tonight, but I want you to get a feel of these characters because it's all about the flesh or living according to the promise with the Spirit. Now, Jacob, it was said, and you see this in Romans chapter 9, it says that Isaac was chosen by the promise and the Spirit. Who was next in line? You notice it was not Ishmael, the firstborn. It was Isaac that was chosen by the promise and the Spirit. And then the next generation, we have twins. We have Jacob and Esau. And Romans chapter 9 tells us that in the womb, these twins struggled. And there was no difference between them. It wasn't that one was better than the other or one that was... There was no difference, but purely by God's sovereign choice, it was said, the elder shall serve the sovereign. Why? Because it's my pleasure, says the Lord. And the promise was given to Jacob, who came second. Now, the problem with Jacob is an illustration of what I mentioned earlier, that Jacob was the next Isaac. He should have said, I'm Isaac. You know, the spirit and the promise, Abraham... Isaac, Jacob. Yes? But Jacob knew he was the promise. And his mother, Rachel, knew about the promise and the spirit. But what did they do? Although they were the Isaacs who had been given the promise, they refused to utilize the spirit. But in, instead, Jacob, for the first part of his life, chose to use the operations techniques of the Ishmael, Esau, to try and grab his inheritance. I mean, he even dressed as it. He dressed. He dressed as Esau. On his father's deathbed, he comes in, makes food like his brother would make. Comes in, and he's got hair all down his arms. He's, got hair. he's made himself smell like he's been out hunting. And he's there, lying to his father. Lying to Isaac, who, the anoint, who had the promise in the Spirit. Now Jacob is lying to his father, saying, Yes, it's me, Esau. Trying to put on a deep, low, gruff voice, Barry White type voice. You know, yes, yeah, me, Esau. And let me touch you. Oh, yeah. Deceiving his own father. Do you think God was pleased with that? Do you think that was working the promise by the Spirit? No, and look at the mess it got him into. You know, the Lord spoke to me about this, and he said, you know, paraphrasing, he said, you know, Bruce, you must learn to grow, to operate by the Spirit and the promises in your life. But also know that the promises must come about by the Spirit and the operation of the fruit of the Spirit. Do not be tempted to make promises come to pass through clothing yourself with Esau. With Esau techniques or Ishmael techniques. Will the promise still come? Yes. But you will cause so much trouble on the way by trying to produce the promise of God through Ishmael Esau techniques, you will go through so much trouble, so much pain, so much difficulty, that although the promise will come, you'll be wrecked by the time that you receive it. And wasn't that true of him? 
Jacob had to leave because of what he did. He had to run away. And then who did he find? Someone who was cleverer than he. Laban. Laban, who was so clever that Jacob said, promise me you'll give me the pretty one. And he woke up with the ugly one. I don't know how he worked that one out. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what he put in. It must have spiked his drink or something. And then he had to work another seven years. And then it, the whole story of him time with Laban never should have happened. It happened because he was Isaac, Jacob was, but he presented himself as Esau. And in life and ministry, the history of the Christian church is littered with men and women of God who were given genuine promises by God, but sought to accomplish them by Ishmael, Esau, fleshly techniques. And although many of them received the promise, they went through such problem, wrecking, disciplined by God, that you wonder almost whether it was worth it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because what will happen is when you're given a promise, down the line there will be temptations to operate in the works of the flesh. Jealousy and anger, anger, intimidation, manipulation, sorcery, backstabbing, gossiping. All these techniques to get what may well be a genuine promise of God. But what happens is... You're concerned. You lose patience. The promise is never going to come. I better use some other techniques and make it come. You're an Ishmael. You're an Esau. Or you're an Isaac clothed as, 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 as Esau. Or, or sometimes the promise seems to waver. It looks like someone's going to get the blessing. It looks like it's not going to come to pass. So you act. You act. But not as an Isaac. You're not out there in the field. Meditating on the promise, praying the promise, doing the battle in the heavenlies, praying it through in the heavenlies, dealing with the obstructions in the heavenlies, hearing from God, give me wisdom, God. I'm about to do a Ishmael. I'm about to do a Esau. I'm going to put my Esau jacket on. I'm going to put my Esau clothes on for this one. Don't do it. Go to God and ask for wisdom during the test. Ask for wisdom, and God will give you the wisdom. He might give you a promise just to get through that little trial. He'll speak to you. He'll, the wisdom of God is firstly peaceable. He will show you how to deal with that difficult situation or that difficult person. And it won't be the Ishmael way of contending, forcing, fighting, but it'll be in the fill, lifting your hands. And gentlemen, maybe Rachel will come by while you're doing it. And Rachel's... Maybe Isaac will come by while you're doing it. You hear what I'm saying? This, this is the character of, 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 of the promise. I think I've said enough about the character. Let me explain now, as I come to the last section, about the promise. You see, it wasn't just operating the promise by faith, by the power of the Spirit... But as I've been saying, it was the promise that was operating on Isaac. It was the promise of God that was operating on Abraham. And eventually the promise of God and the Spirit of God that wrestled with him, finally got him in the right place. It was the promise of God that operated on the life of Jacob. It was the promise that sanctified, the promise that matured, the promise that brought them close to God. 
When they were close to the promise, they were close to God. When they were far away from the promise, they were far away from God. When they were trying to operate the promise, goodbye Holy Spirit, leave this to me, they were far from God. But when they were close to the promise, they found themselves close to the Spirit. When they were close to the Spirit, they found them close, themselves close to the, prof, the, the, the promise. The promise operated on him as to direct him. And the current of his thoughts and actions, the promise actually directed him through it, navigated him through daily things. And when now, when I'm speaking to you about the promise, it allowed him to have a restful spirit. No wars, no fighting, no contentions, no fleshliness. Why? Because the promise of God and the spirit of God was so strong in Isaac's life. So strong in Isaac's life. You see... If we're not close, I find that when I get away from the promises, if I get away from the promises, I'm in danger. Because I lose my peace. Begin to panic, begin to wonder, begin to doubt. Begin to withdraw. Begin to get restless. That's where you're in danger. But when I'm close, meditating on the promises, when I've got them before me, but not just the promise, because the promise in itself is not enough. You need the Holy Spirit as your senior promise partner. It's a partnership. You can't do one without. Holy Spirit without a promise, you're having a laugh. Promise without the Holy Spirit, you're a joker. Promise with the Spirit, you're on fire. Amen? That's how it works. And you get a restful spirit. And there's times in my life where it's the promise and the Spirit that has saved me from going down a course of action. That would have caused much pain. May, may not have prevented me getting there in the end. But what needless things we face when we operate without the Spirit. When we leave the promise of God in our lives. And I've already given you the example of Jacob that needed to learn that. He was an Isaac that needed to learn not to dress as an Esau. Now I'm going to come back to this next week and the week after. I've got to build on this. There's so much more I have to say about this. I've only introductory introduction to this series of people of the promise. But I want to say something practical. I've, I mention this time to time about how I work the promises of God in my life. You see, you have two types of promise. You have the promise of God's word that's there. The general promise. In other words, I promise you that if you trust that Jesus died for you on the cross and carried your sins and rose again, God promises you that you're saved. That's a promise for everybody. And anybody who believes that promise, that Jesus died for you on the cross and rose again, and that if you believe, you'll be saved. If you believe that promise, tonight you will be born again. You'll become an Isaac. And there's promises and commands in the Bible where you can go to, you don't have to question them. They're there. They, the fruit of the Spirit. They're there. The commands of God. The promises of God. They're so obvious. You look at them. You believe. You hear what I'm saying? They're there. But also, there's a different kind of promise. And this is a promise where you really have to line yourself up with God's Word to begin to hear. You really need to walk in the Spirit. And you really need to have a, an increasingly um, renewed mind to operate in this. And these are the particular rhema words that God wants to give to you as a particular believer. How many of you know we're all Isaac, but we're each individual Isaacs? 
How many know that we've all got general promises together? Hey, God has got promises over Kensington Temple. Do you know that? So if you're part of Kensington Temple and you don't know the promises that God has given to us, you're going to... Well, you join a cell group, sounds a good idea. You do this, sounds a good idea. Go out in the streets, sounds a good idea. But if you don't know the promises of the house, you're not working it right, are you? According to this. Promises for the house that we share together and believe together. The glory of this latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. Do you know that? That's a promise over this house. Now, maybe we should be the generation to make that happen, or God may pass over us and bring another generation in. Not everybody that's promised the promised land always enters. Sometimes it's left to another generation, and we need to beware that the promise of God to us skips us and goes to somebody else. But I'm speaking about particular promises. I was teaching a series a number of years ago, a couple of years ago here, on Abraham, where night after night... I was speaking about Abraham's life and model for us because according to Romans 4, we walk in the footsteps of our father of faith, Abraham. And Paul uses him all the time as the great model. And I was saying, oh, Abraham had this promise and it was a particular promise to leave his land and go to the promised land. And he had a particular promise about Isaac. And I remember God speaking to me and saying, all right, that's good. Where's your promises? Well, they're all here, Lord. No, I mean, where are the promises over your particular life or your particular family or whatever it might be? Personal, yes. And I thought, well, I don't know. I'm just, you know, doing my bit, hopefully, to grow and preach the gospel and minister. I know I'm called to be a minister. I'm doing my bit, you know, following the vision of the heart. And God's like, well, you, what's, what, that's not Abraham, is it? That's not Abraham. Just general problem. What about you? What have I spoken to you? What about promises to you? Because how can you grow if it's not according to the promise by the power of the Spirit? How can you grow? How can you know the Lord? How could I grow? How can I walk in the footsteps of Abraham when I'm saying, oh, any promise will do. Any promise will do. And so I felt the Lord say, record, write down the promises over your life. So I bought myself this book, this notebook, lovely moleskin notebook. I got this book. And I sat down and I began to write down the things I knew. I knew as I knew as I knew as I knew. You know what I'm talking about? Not I wondered, but I knew the things that had been spoken into my life since I was a child. At various times and places. Things that had been spoken, things, things I just knew were God's rhema particular word that means for me. Prophecies, words, right from a kid. Things that said, like, when I was a young kid, didn't even know the Lord or anything. I'm a football manager whom I loved dearly. He was a father to me when my father was in a hospital for two years. He was like a father to me. He, he was, I mean, when, you could, when, we, when he wasn't managing, he was drunk somewhere. And he just turned to me and he said, you're going to be a vicar one day, son. I thought, What? Well, what is he on about? Seed. So I went through that right up to the current day. And I wrote everything that I knew. And as I looked, I thought, that's interesting. That's interesting. I've got prophecies, promises. Not just promises of what's going to happen, but promises of relationship with God. Uh, encouraging prophecies. 
promises to stand on. You know what I'm saying? Not all about where you're going to be in the end, but I will not leave you. And all, all these things are spoken to me in various forms by the Spirit. And I put them in a book. And I began to take this book and develop. And as I did it, it was like little jigsaw pieces every so often. Little jigsaw pieces would come in. Sometimes I'd be reading my Bible. I read my Bible regularly on a daily basis. Because you've got to live by bread. And man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding. And how are we going to hear fresh promises? Because sometimes God will give you a promise for the day. Sometimes he doesn't, but sometimes he does. Uh, he'll give you a promise for a, a week. He'll give you a promise about an audition. He'll give you a promise about a job. He'll give you a promise about a situation. So it's not all long term. Do you hear what I'm saying? And if I'm not reading the word day by day, then I'm, I'm losing a, a, uh, an opportunity. And I put those down. And sometimes you'll be reading the Word, and it's like God, isn't it? You're reading the Word, and out of nothing, God takes a highlighter pen. Pow! That's not just a scripture. I've read that many times before. Bang, it's, it's hitting me. And it's not just because it's hitting your need. We've got to get away from needs-based Christianity to promise-based faith. And a lot of people, and I'll talk about this later, a lot of people, this is why we need a sound mind. Because a lot of people who pretend they have promises from God, they're not promises from God. They're just your desires that you are echoing and saying, oh, I'd like to be that. Oh, is that what you said, God? Oh, God. Oh, God's telling me she's going to be my wife. Did he? No. But I'll say he did because I, f I want it so badly. No, we have to be sound, strong on the word so that we can have a discerning spirit. And then God flows. So from the word, highlighters. I've got, I've got a passage of scripture here from Isaiah that maps out my whole ministerial future. The stages. And I've seen myself go through various stages of this passage in Isaiah. And I see the end of it. It's my whole ministerial future in a passage. How did that come to you? I read it. And, it, and I read it. And I read it. And I, I couldn't get off it. And I meditated on it like Isaac. And I realized, oh my God, this is... It had my past, my present, and my future, and my near future. Pow, pow, pow. I know exactly where I am in that. Other times, in prayer meetings, I've had people in cell meetings prophesy a word over me. Encouraging word. And I think that's from the Lord. It goes down in here. I've had times when God has spoken to me in, in very strange situations. Not just through prayers and prophecy in the Bible. I remember one time uh, quite a while ago, and I'll give the, this in, in illustration, then we'll move into ministry. I want to, but I do want to impart this in your spirit. Because I am convinced that revival will only take place by a people that are only moved by the promise in the spirit. Because we don't have the strength to do it in any other way. But the promise in the spirit will put us through. We'll put the British church through. We'll turn back the gates of hell only by the promise and the Spirit. There's no other way of living. If you can't count or show me the promises of God in your life, you haven't even begun to walk the Christian life. I'm sorry. You say, well, that's a bit harsh. Yes, it is a little bit harsh. God still blesses. God still does. And God, but it's not the way, appointed way. Any other blessings or helps, it's not the way. It's God's secondary way of doing it. God wants us primary on there. Now, I'm in the car after a Wednesday evening prayer meeting. And I was all fired up during the prayer meeting. And then I left a prayer meeting. I got all depressed. I was having one of my fainting, 
fits. Spiritual fainting fits. You ever had one? You see, when you have the promise, you grow because sometimes you read the promise of God for your church, for whatever, and you go, praise God. Oh, I can just feel the anointing. I believe it. I believe it. And then other times you go, it's never going to happen. I'm fed up with it. Get away. It's not going to happen. This is just some sort of joke. You're just having me on. You're having a joke, aren't you? I can't do it. I can't do it. This is ridiculous. And, and you faint at the promise. Yeah? It's all called growing. But then you sort of come back a few days later. Holy Spirit. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, this is you. You're growing in your trust of God just by doing that. That's just, that's, a, that's better than any, just, you know, trying to work it out without the promise. And so I'm having a pity party that are getting fewer and fewer as time goes by because I'm growing. I'm not saying I want a fainting fit tomorrow. I've done that. I said, I'm growing. And then tomorrow I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to quit the ministry. You know, it's all part of the process. So I'm driving, and I'm, got, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, right, and I put it on the radio, and I'm listening to a football match, some random football match. And I'm driving, I'm thinking, I can't do it, I can't be this, I can't do the other, I've had enough, I can't cope, I can't do any, this isn't going to happen, it's all a big joke, I've had enough, I want to do something else, sort of language. And then, and then in the background is this football reporting, I can't remember who the teams were. Then I get to Shepherd's Bush Roundabout. I remember it so distinctively because I'm giving you an illustration of how this can happen apart from prophecy in the Word. I'm going round the roundabout and, um, and uh, they'd just put a substitute on to, uh, and it was the final minutes of the game. They'd put a substitute on and then suddenly there's a loud shout. They score and it's the substitute that they've just brought in. Scores in the last few minutes. And then out of the mouth of the commentator says this, Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Bang, it hit me. It shot me right up. I mean, it shot me right up, and I got filled with the Spirit in a moment. Because I understood. God's not asking me to do anything that I won't be ready to do when the time comes to do it. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Trying to be the man or woman uh, of whenever it's going to be, you're not that man or woman. And so you're taking this burden, I can't do this, that, and the other. But hey, God said, it was a rhema word, cometh the hour, cometh the man. It's in here, it's been turned too many times. Why? Because it's a promise. When you get burdened, when you think, I can't do it, I can't grow, I'm not moving fast enough, I'm not being used enough. When in a, I, it, 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 the plans, the purposes of my life, it's not going to come to pass. I can't cope. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Holy Spirit, you begin to meditate, you're growing, you're growing. I've got so much more to impart on this subject, I'm going to do it next week. But right now I just want us to stand for a few moments, respond to this impartation, then we're going to bring the ministry team forward, and we're going to pray for whatever needs you have, for healings, for accommodation, for financial breakthrough, for encouragement, the ministry team, if you could come forward, we're going to minister to you. We've got about, we'll be here another 15 minutes. Although after this prayer, if you need to go, you can. But we're just going to minister to the Lord for 15, 20 minutes after this. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Put yourself in the field with Isaac. Put yourself in that field with Isaac. Ishmael's out there kicking and fighting and screaming. 
and angry and gossiping and pushing and dominating. But you're in that field. And you know why? Because you're Isaac. And if you came in and you didn't know the Lord, well, if you've got your hand in the air right now, you do know him because you believe. That's right. You are Isaac. And there's a whole pattern of living. A whole pattern. And the pattern is according to the promise through the relationship of the Holy Spirit. I pray the Lord brings to memory right now the promises that God has given to you. I mean the spirit promises. I mean, if, if, not the ones that you've created. The ones you know are from the Lord, without doubt. The rest can wait and you can find out if they're true or not. I'm talking about God has spoken. And there's no doubt. It's more than opinion. Or oh God, I want this. It's, it's not a prophecy made in your own image. It's spoken to you. And you're going to make a commitment tonight to get yourself a prophetic notebook. You're going to make a commitment. You're going to do it. You're going to do it this week. And it's going to be a nice one, the best you can afford, and a one that you love, one that you can carry in your handbag or wherever. It's usable. And you're going to sit down, and you're going to write in that booklet. And I, I command you to do it, all right? So if you go away and don't do it, you're going to suffer. You're going to miss out. I command you to do this. It's a command. And you're going to get yourself a notebook and you're going to write down. If you haven't already done this, some of you have got... I, I spoke to one lady a few weeks ago. She had one of these. She put it away. It was on her shelf for about a year. I said, she took it down and it was like a whole life began in the right direction again. You're going to take it and you're going to put it. You're just going to put the ones you know are from God. The words, the scriptures, the prophecies. That which you know, and you're going to write them in this notebook and you're going to look at it and you're going to measure your life to it. And you're going to pray and start believing. And then you're going to have a fresh awareness of the promises of God. Promises that can be daily, weekly. To hear the word of the Lord for different situations, the word of the Lord. Next week I'm going to be showing you how to discern these things. Because the last thing we want is a bunch of fleshly Christians making up promises for themselves, but you aren't fleshly Christians because you wouldn't be here on a Sunday evening if you were. You might be in a mess, you might be in a trouble, but you're here tonight. That shows at a revival service on Sunday evening where churches are shutting down their Sunday evenings because of lack of people wanting to give up an evening. You're here, so God is already speaking to you. And you're going to write these things down. Some of these things you may not understand, but you know they're from God. Write them. These are what the Bible says, precious promises. you're going to begin jigsaw piece by jigsaw piece to build the picture that God has for your life and everything that comes in life you're going to deal with by the promise and the spirit don't forget that because when you sit down with this notebook with your pen in your hand you're going to invite the Holy Spirit you say I'm a new Christian I don't I don't have any promises well I've just opened the door in your mind and the spirit for those promises to flow because you're no longer ignorant about the way that God's work. You wait in your next cell group, cell leaders. Spend some time. Spend some time to let one another prophesy to one another. Read the word every day. Be alert. You could be in a car in a bad mood. 
God speaks to you through the radio, through art, through a film. Always be ready. God speaks in the most unusual ways. He spoke through a donkey, didn't he? Open your hearts right now. We're on a journey. The reason I'm going to do this over a number of weeks is because I know that you can preach on something in a Sunday and then people can forget it. But if I come back to this again and again until I feel the restraint off me, I'm just hoping that some of you will begin to change the course of the way that you live, act, and deal with the things in your life. That you might gain your inheritance and the promises of God and do it through the least way of resistance. I don't want you putting on Esau's clothes. I don't want to put on Esau's clothes to get Jacob's blessing. I want to do it the Isaac way. Openness to God. Sacrifice. Living sacrifice to God. Openness to God. Meditation. Believing the promise and not doing the Ishmael. Hallelujah. Well, we're just going to, if you need to go during this time, you're free to go, but we are going to just worship the Lord during this time. Give something to Him at the end of the day. And then during this time, you can leave your seat, bring your bags with you if you have bags. Whatever you want prayer for in this day of promise from the Spirit, I'm sure that God has some supernatural things to release here at the front of the ministry team. And feel free to come right now to the front and we will pray for you. And we'll believe that this week is going to be the start and ignition of many great things in our lives. Be a people of the promise. Amen. I believe in you. I believe.